Shawty, what's all with y'all? Oh, hi. Coming to say you're lucky, fine. We got to cutting it off. It she know about the kid and fuck on my line. I'ma keep it up all with y'all. But Shawty, I'm trying to make you mine. Don't make it too easy, I wanna try. She looking too good, can't let it go by. Oh, yeah. Think I won the lotto. This slow mulatto. She could be a model. She wanna show me some. Think I won the lotto. In today's episode, Butsy and I discuss the Celtics embarrassing game one loss to the Sixers, as well as the Denver and Phoenix game two. All right, Butsy. So Celtics collapsed yesterday down the stretch, lost the game to Philly, uh, where they didn't even have their best player in Joel Embiid. A lot to get into in this game. Not a not a super happy pod to, to start the show, but we're going to mm-hmm. do it. You know, we come to work. We do our job just like everyone else. So uh, yep. we'll, we'll start with you. I want to frame it kind of a question how concerned does this loss make you going forward with the c's um give me a panic meter on a one to ten. Six and a half, seven. i'm leaning high high sixes or low sevens here um i you can't lose this game like yeah. I, I i don't really care if they won by one or if they won by a hundred you have to win game one at home with no Embiid. granted harden played out of his mind uh, I think he what went for almost 50, 48, something like that. 45. 45. I mean, he had 45 on 17 of 30, 50% from three. He had a hell of a game. Uh, but if you're the C's, man, you, you got to find a way to win this game regardless. And to say that we didn't have the chances to win the game would be an absolute lie. Um, we were clinging on to like a two-point lead. It was a back and forth late in the fourth quarter. We had the one possession where Brogdon threw the ball away, which was absolutely embarrassing. That's on Tatum, in my opinion. Tatum's got to get that shot up. Um, we have to have better awareness. I mean, it seemed like nobody wanted to shoot on that possession. The ball, I think, touched every guy's hands like twice, it felt like. Uh, and it led to just one of the most horrible turnovers I've ever seen. And then the end of game play, man, I want to talk about this a little bit because it seemed like there was just nothing grown, like that got drew up. Got that drawn up in the in the timeout before. Smart just caught the ball in the corner, attacked and turned it over. I know he had a great fourth quarter, two major and ones uh, that I thought were gonna you know help us pull out this game, but clearly not. And we were watching the game last night with the roommates in my apartment, and everyone and I said, um, "I'm not a big fan of Marcus Smart right now. I think Brogdon's better." But we saw no Derek White at the end of this game, which I think was interesting too. Uh, but Smart either makes the plays that help you win the game or lose the game. There's no in-between. Uh, there's no, like, mediocre play from Smart. He's either a hero or you want him dead. So, I don't know. This was a tough loss, man. I'm not happy about it. Um, but dropping game one at home with no Embiid really hurts. Yeah, I think the begging for Smart to be on the bench at the end of the game has kind of come to an end. As much as Smart, like continues to prove that maybe he shouldn't be in the game. He's just going to be regardless. Um, and I say that because we've been begging for Brogdon to be on the floor, and he was last night. And instead, the guy who we took off is Robert Williams, who I think absolutely should have been on the floor instead of Smart. I think our best lineup is with the two bigs, with Allen Rob. That was our best lineup last year. I think it still is, but I think instead of Smart, it's Brogdon this year. Um, 16 turnovers for the Celts. To six for Philly. I thought you laid it out really well. I think we looked like a panicky like high school team. Like we looked like a team that was good all year, just really talented, and then the moment just got too too big for us and we just started throwing the ball away um in a big game. And yeah, let's talk about that possession with with Brogdon, because 
they swing the ball around. There's a bunch of chances. Jalen Jalen starts it off. He has a, a chance for a dribble pull up right around the elbow. Wouldn't have been an amazing shot, but I like Jalen taking that shot. Then he swings it, I think, to Tatum. Tatum basically is the same thing. He goes into a one dribble, uh, thinks about shooting it, and then passes it. I think Tatum's got to take that shot. I completely agree. And then, I mean, you said it's on Tatum. Malcolm Brogdon just can't make that pass. Like, yeah, you yeah. You're you're a professional basketball player. You have to know first of all. You have to know what the shot clock's at. I don't know what he's what's going through his mind. That's just the absolute meltdown, panic moment from Brogdon, and makes us look really bad as podcasters for <laughs> for vouching for him and for wanting all him year. on the court all year. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I I thought the turnovers were just atrocious. We surprisingly, well, not surprisingly, but we shot the ball great. We were 44 for 75. Philly took 14 more shots from us and or 14 more shots than us, which is a ridiculous amount. They shot 45 for 89. It's tough to win when you get out attempted that much. So, yeah. And then, okay, last thing. Last nitpick moment where I'm going to pretend to be a basketball coach, but I'm not. I don't want people to think that I think I'm smarter than Joe Missoula. But can we stop switching? On the weak-ass screens in big moments at the end of the game. When we have Smart, who's supposed to be one of the best defenders in the league, say what you will, he's supposed to be one of the best guard defenders in the league, guarding James Harden, who at the time has 42 points, coming down. P.J. Tucker runs over with Al Horford, barely sets a screen. It's not even a screen. I've watched it I don't know how many times. All it is, they're not running a pick and roll. They're just trying to get a switch. And we switch right away. And obviously, Horford's going to get cooked on that play. That, that's my last thing. I'm not an NBA coach, but please, in the big moments, fight through a screen, Marcus Smart. They've been, everybody is matchup hunted against the Celtics all playoffs. All last season, it was Curry matchup hunting to get uh, Horford. Now it's Harden matchup hunting to get Horford, too. And it, they're all just ghost like screens. They're not even screens, there's no contact being made. If you get caught, you get caught, and you got to switch. All right. Horford also, there was times where he was playing some drop coverage that was the worst drop coverage I have ever seen. I think it was Maxi one time specifically on the left wing. Um, someone sent him a screen, and Horford was just sitting on the block, and Maxi had an open look. And then, I don't know. It's it, they, they, He's becoming a liability on defense because he can't guard the ball at all. But you're right. We shouldn't be switching that much to begin with, especially when they're just not even screens, when there's no contact being made. Like, if you get caught, you get caught, and you have to switch, fine. But it shouldn't be your automatic principle when you're just walking off the floor casually. Like, I think if they literally swap positions at half court, we would still switch for some reason. Like, it makes right. no sense. We don't need to do that. And um, my big point is, like, if if that's your philosophy, if you want to switch everything because you don't want to leave people open for a split second, I I understand that. That's you know, NBA players are that good that if you leave them open for a split second, you get punished. But in a big moment like that, if you switch Al Horford on James Harden, you're getting punished anyway. So right. I think the philosophy in has to change in those big moments. That's that's my only thing. Um especially when they're not looking to go fast, you know, like you said, when they're just setting it up and Harden standing, I don't know, 34, 35 feet away, he's not gonna pull it from there. So you have you, they're not like, just don't switch. Just don't switch. It just rubs me the wrong way every time I watch it. I fucking freak out because you know it's not going to end well. Yeah. Um. Let's 
let's talk about the stars a little bit. Tatum, great box score game. 14 for 25, 39 points, 11 boards, 5 assists. Jalen shot 8 for 10. He only got 10 shots. But like I said, I mean, we only got, what, 75 as a team. So right. not a huge issue long term, I think. What did you make of Tatum's game? I thought Tatum played really well. Um, I don't really think there's a lot of negatives to say about his game. Like you said, great box score game. 11 rebounds, 5 assists, only 1 turnover. Uh, Tatum limiting turnovers, I think, is huge. I thought he played strong. I thought he played really good. Um, but at the end of the day, he gave up 120 at the Garden. So I think it's, this is more um, on our defense and the fact that Harden had a crazy game rather than we played poorly. Like, I mean, we shot 59% from the field, 38% from three. It's just the turnovers, in my opinion. That's the big margin. Uh, but Tatum, I thought, had a great game. Brown shooting like 80% from the field is nuts. Um, and I want to talk about Derek White. 27 minutes, 1 of 5 from the field, 0 for 4 from 3. This guy was averaging like 20 a game in the first series. Uh, came out last night and did not look like himself. I know Brogdon played 34 minutes and had a really solid game. Um, but I think some of those minutes can be taken away from Smart a little bit. Um, and if Derek White gets going, I mean, that adds another element to this offense that just makes Tatum and Brown so much better because the they're so much more freed up and not all eyes are on them. Uh, so I would like to see a little more out of Derek White. Um, but Tatum Brown, solid games. I mean, we scored 115, dude. Like, you can't really complain about our offense that much, except sometimes it was a little too ISO-y. Um, and down the stretch, you know, we've this has been a common theme with the Celtics all year and even last year. It's down the stretch. What are our plays? What are our go-to guys? Um we're just doing ISO ball and whatever the fuck that was was smart at the end of the game. And we've seen it in the Knicks game this year. We saw it last year against the Warriors in the in the playoffs. It's just offense goes to shit down the stretch and we can't be having that. Yeah, I completely agree. That that smart play at the end just blew my mind. I don't know if that was the design was to get it to smart and have smart drive. But if that was the design, I don't know why it would be. Um, anyways, let's talk about the series. So... We don't know the status of Embiid as of yet, but how do you see this series playing out? Is this is this an anomaly of a loss? I mean, how does Embiid change this series? Because he's going to come back at some point. This series is far far from over, by the way. I think this series is, is very far from over. Um, but I don't think Embiid will play game two. He might be back for game three. Uh, I know it's more severe than a grade one sprain. Uh, it's worse than the doctors originally thought, what everyone originally thought. Uh, what he brings to this series is, honestly, now after game one, less touches for Harden. Um, I think I'm way more comfortable with Embiid getting 30, because I really think it's going to be difficult to ha- for the Sixers to have games where Embiid and Harden both go for 30-35. I think it's going to be one or the other. And I think if we can keep Harden under, well, like, I don't know, 25, with, but Embiid has his 30, like, we're going to be good, um, but Embiid coming back, hopefully not until game four, um, means that the Celtics have to take care of business until then. Uh, that we have to take care of the games where he's out, um, and I and I think we can do it. I just don't know um, how well Harden's going to play, if he's going to continue to play this well for the next couple of games. Yeah, it's going to be super tough to put up 45 with Embiid on the court. It is concerning, though, because... Harden seeing the ball go down that many times and getting that confidence. I think while he's not going to score 45 every game, 
if he gets to, you know, 25-30 for the series and Embiid's going to do his thing, obviously he's going to have, you know, thir- what he averaged for the season, like 33, something like that. I mean, they're going to be tough to stop, but I'm kind of with you uh, panic meter-wise. I'm at six and a half. This is just a turnover game. This is a, this is a, I don't know. It's just a, it, it seems like a mental thing just to collapse. Uh, maybe we overlooked them. Maybe the moment was too, too big for us down the stretch, but I think overall, um, Celts are going to take home this series in seven. And honestly, in my opinion, these are the two best teams in the league. I think the winner of this series is going to go on to win the finals. I don't know if that's a bold statement. I actually don't really think it is because the West is so such a crapshoot, maybe other than Denver, if anyone wants to argue for them. But I would take either of these two teams over Denver. So what do you think? I mean, you think these are the best two teams left? Um. I don't. I think the West has looked surprisingly pretty good. I think the Nuggets have put together two really, and I know we're going to talk about them in a sec, but they put together two really impressive wins that have kind of made me be like, maybe this Nuggets team is is finally for real. Uh, Jamal Murray's been playing fucking so great. Uh, and Jokic has been doing his thing, obviously. Um, when I think he had, what, did he have 35 last night? Something like that? 39. 39. He had 39 points last night. I mean, that's ridiculous. Uh, and they only scored 97-2, which is insane. Um, so I think that the Nuggets are actually pretty damn good. Do I still think that the Celtics and Sixers are better than them? Yes. But I think the Nuggets are should not be overlooked right now. Um, but I do think they'll win this series pretty – the Nuggets will win this series kind of easily um, after the games one and two. And then um, I only think it's the Nuggets uh, out of the West. Possibly the Warriors too. They started playing really fucking good basketball in game seven. Obviously, Steph had 50. They had lost that game six, and I was thinking maybe maybe this team is finally done because I think if they lost this 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 series, it would kind of be – there'd be a lot of question marks. But uh, the Warriors also look really good. Um, Lakers, too. I don't think they'll have the longevity to get to the finals and play well in the finals. Um, but Nuggets and Warriors would be the two teams in the West that I think could compete with the Celtics and Sixers, but I don't think they're better than either of those teams. Yeah, I agree with you there. Let's transition now. So, Butsy was not able to catch this whole game. He saw clips and highlights and stuff. But just to break it down, like, this was a horrible shooting night from both teams. Um, Kevin Durant goes 2 for 12 from 3. I think he shot 10 for 27 on the night. Yeah, yeah, 10 for 27. Uh, Booker played well. Aiton shot the ball well, but did not play well. Had some really bad turnovers. Everyone on Denver was horrible shooting the ball. Um, KCP got it going, but Jokic, I mean, this was a masterclass from Jokic. That was the story of the night here. I I haven't watched as much Jokic as I would have liked to. This was probably the best Jokic game that I've ever seen. Um, just when, uh, on a night where, where Murray didn't have it at all, shoots three for 15. Obviously, Murray had an amazing game one, took a lot of pressure off Jokic and the whole team. Um, but last night couldn't get it going. MPJ couldn't really get it going either. Didn't get a lot of shots. Jokic proved that he can absolutely take over a game scoring wise. And it's not like what he wants to do. He wants to come out and he wants to get everyone involved. Denver wants to shoot a million threes and make a million threes and just shoot you out of the gym that way. But when they're not, I didn't, I didn't know Jokic had this, like this was a, this was an ISO scoring, get Jokic the ball at the foul line. And he was just going to work. On, on DeAndre Ayton, who is all things considered, all things you want to say about Ayton, he's a pretty good defender. He played good defense, and Jokic 
had him in a blender the whole night. Um, ridiculous footwork, shot making. Um, and like I said, Aiden's playing good defense. There's just nothing you can do when, when a guy like Jokic is going like that. So, I mean, I'm really concerned for the Suns now because this is a game. I know it's in Denver, but this is a game you kind of have to win. Denver's, they're not going to hold Denver um, under 100 points again. I really, no. I really don't see that happening. No, they're not because Denver is not going to shoot that poorly again. Uh, Jamal Murray is not going to go 0 for 9 from 3 again. Uh, 3 of 15 is a pretty despicable performance, and the fact that they still won and put up 97 points with the way they shot the ball is insane. Um, Phoenix putting up 87 is just an absolute disgrace too. Uh, but I do think, uh, like I said earlier, the Nuggets will win this series. I, I don't – I think they look – just a lot more complete and and more of a cohesive unit than the Suns do. While the Suns have arguably the most talent in the league, a uh, little Chris Paul curse action, by the way. Chris Paul is just absolutely cursed when it comes to winning in the playoffs. Um, but I do think that the Suns probably have the most talent in the league on a team. Just they don't play together that well. They just have a bunch of absolute scores um booker durant i know durant doesn't really need the ball in his hands he can play off the ball a lot uh booker obviously more ball dominant but they just have a lot of scores and they're not playing great together um but the nuggets just seem to have a lot of energy a lot of momentum and there's a sense of uh i think prove it you know with this team the team is really trying to prove it after all the years that they've had these this almost the same exact team and have come up miles short uh when they've had really high expectations and i think this is the year that you know, they're finally stepping up and saying, we're them. Like, you know, we're here and we can make a run at this final. So um, I'm liking what I see out of the Nuggets. I don't think this this Suns performance in this series so far, I don't think is, like, surprising. Um, like we said earlier, they beat, or on the last pod, they beat the Clippers, but they didn't play that well. Like, they weren't that impressive of a team uh, when they beat the Clippers, and they're still not looking like, that impressive of a team now against Nuggets. So I think it's a case of just the Nuggets are a better team right now. I agree. The The Clippers series, they beat a shell of the Clippers. That wasn't a fully loaded roster. But this loss in particular, I think, goes on KD. Um, I think that was the surprising thing for me. It, it wasn't surprising to see Phoenix lose. See KD shoot 10 for 27 and getting good looks from three and going two for 12, that surprised me because... When you have a team that's this top heavy, that's that's the entire idea is that these two guys, Katie and Booker, are going to combine for close to seventy every game, and you can't you you see now that if either of them has an off game, they have no chance of winning. They put up eighty seven points, um, and in today's game, eighty seven isn't even close to where you need to be. So, also, one of the concerns going into the playoffs was the injuries, and Chris Paul goes down. Um, in the third quarter with a groin injury. We'll see, you know, how serious that is. But his replacement campaign, who I actually really like, comes in and goes one for seven. And it's like, it just shows you they don't have anywhere to go um, if, if one of their guys doesn't have it going. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all out on, on Phoenix. And they were yeah. my pick to go to the finals out of the West. Um, I think we're going to see... We might see KD go for 45 next game or something. I'm not going to lie. Like, <laughs> I think Cause he always happens. tends to bounce back after a game like this. Um, he needs to get a little bit more aggressive and getting good shots, getting his shots. 
but even with KD going off next game, maybe maybe they tie it at two two. I think Denver wins this in six, maybe seven. Yeah. I am, yeah. I I just I think Denver is so much this. more complete. Yeah, I yeah I completely agree. I could see this ending in five. Honestly, I really could. If the if Denver steals one in Phoenix, this series is over. Um, no matter what it is, no matter if it's game three or four. Uh, just my last thing on the Suns, like you kind of highlighted, it. they have nobody to turn to. They have just zero offense besides Booker and Durant. Like maybe you get lucky. I mean, Tory Craig was playing out of his fucking mind, uh, in in the in the first round. Um, but like last night, eleven point, uh, eleven minutes, no points, uh, over two from the field. Uh, like they're starting a Kogi who's only t- going to take three shots. He's not a scorer. Uh, Chris Paul injured, but on like you know he's not putting more, putting up more than ten points on a good day. Aiton, you know, an efficient fourteen, but still like these guys are only taking ten shots each, and Kogi took three. If you're gonna have Devin Booker and Kevin Durant take 29 and 27 shots, they better fucking hit. Um, and, and, you know, last night it was Booker and not Durant, but, I mean, 87 points is fucking abysmal. Um, just the majority of the shots were belonging uh, to those two. And while Booker played solid, Durant, we've mentioned a ton of times now, has just stunk. And there's no one else that stepped up and could give him any kind of spark. So uh, we talked about the Suns' depth going to be a struggle all playoffs, and I think it's proving – to be a really big uh, issue right now. Yeah, the depth is a huge concern. And the other thing is that's kind of surprised me is they just don't run good offense at all. For a, a team that's supposed to be really well coached with Monty Williams, a guy who's won coach of the year, I think multiple times. I know he won it last year. Um, and a team that when they went to the finals in 2020, ran great offense, tons of ball movement. Um, Chris Paul was running the show and it, it looked like a very fluid, like it was a machine. It, it remind, reminded me of like the Warriors or the Celtics type offense. A lot of cutting and a lot of ball movement. This year is nothing like that at all. It's isos, it's pick and rolls, um, a lot of shots where they don't even pass the ball once on a possession. And I know you have these two guys who are supposed to be two of the best iso scorers, and they are two of the best iso scorers, but you can get them in better spots. Like we saw, we see the Warriors do it, or we saw the Warriors do it with KD. It was impossible to guard when you have that much talent and you you still move the ball and you get your guys open shots that's when you become really hard to guard obviously they can make tough shots but you don't want them shooting these tough shots all game so that's that's the other concern i mean it's it's the depth it's the injuries the age with chris paul um the offense just the ball movement and then they're going up against a guy in Jokic who's really like you said it's a prove it year for denver this approve it uh, run for Jokic himself because a guy who's gotten so much criticism, you know, from the media for winning back-to-back MVPs and not winning anything in the playoffs, he's starting to show. It's like last year they were hurt. He just didn't have his boys with him. Right. I think I think this year, and myself included, he's proven a lot of people wrong. Yeah, I agree. Um, he's also he's got to be a little ticked off that Embiid basically won the MVP too. He had a chance to win three in a row, and I think he's trying to prove why he he should have won three in a row, um, especially in a game with they, like a game where they got nothing going. Just being able to give it to him and and for him to put on a, the masterclass he did, uh, with not like there's nothing flashy about Jokic. There's nothing that you watch and you're just like maybe besides his passing that might be the only flashy part about his uh his whole game, 
But offensively, he's just so technically sound, uses his body so well. And to just pick Aiden apart, just old school, I'm just going to fucking bully you and I'm going to beat you one-on-one, it was impressive. Uh, and he single-handedly, uh, you know, got his team a huge game two win because uh, I think they're going to steal one in Phoenix. I think this could be over in five. But uh, do you want to do a little forecasting into tonight's games? Because we have two very, very interesting games. Yeah, I was just about to say, um, so we have Miami and the Knicks, but let's get to the real story tonight, which is Steph versus LeBron, Lakers versus Warriors. Um, <laughs> both these teams had their moments where they looked really good in round one. And obviously, Sacramento was a really tough team. Um, Memphis, I think, I mean, it's a good win by the Lakers. Obviously, you play who's in front of you. They were the two seed. They're a great defense, but this is this is a much tougher matchup for LA. How do you yeah. see this game going tonight? Warriors are four and a half point favorites at home. And how do you see this series going? I think it's Warriors, Warriors, Warriors. I think it's all Warriors. Uh, I really do. Um, I think this could be over in five or six games. I I I think the Warriors is going to be way too much for the Lakers to handle. I think the speed that the Warriors play with is in their off-ball movement. I don't think the Lakers' defense can keep up. I really don't. They, like, Memphis is not a great three-point shooting team. Like, Dylan Brooks can't can't really shoot. John Morant hasn't really developed that three-ball yet to where it's, you know, threatening. You know, they're still giving him a step uh, every time they're guarding him. And then Desmond Bain can shoot the uh, the shit out of the ball. They're a pretty bad shooting team. But they're not a great shooting team. So, they – and their defenders in the paint, like – Davis can just hold down the paint all day long. I mean, I think he averaged probably like three or four blocks in, in round one. He's not going to have that against the Warriors. They're going to be running around the perimeter, sending off ball screens and a lot of fucking movement that I think is just going to wear this Lakers team down. Um, I think AD's tired and battered, and I think LeBron is getting a little tired too. I mean, he's been playing so many fucking minutes so uh, this playoff so far. And I think it's going to be really tough to keep that up against the Warriors um, who just don't seem to get tired ever. I mean, Steph moves literally from the moment the ball tips to the final buzzer. That guy does not stop moving. Um, Clay obviously uh, didn't have a great game in game seven, but you know, Steph just put on an absolute masterclass. I think the Warriors are just going to be too much for the Lakers tonight and in the series as well. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I'm a little different than you. I get the Warriors, but I think this is going to be a phenomenal series. I, I really like the Lakers physicality. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that matches up against, like you said, the speed of the the Warriors. But I also like the Lakers' depth a little better. We saw in Game 7 um, of Sacramento, like, Clay's not not the same guy. I know he can get going. Um, Draymond's definitely not the same guy. And Poole is even less reliable than he was last year. Yeah. Wiggins, Wiggins can get going too, but I like the Lakers' depth. When you got LeBron and AD, um, two players of that caliber, versus only one player of that caliber for the Warriors for Steph. I do think Steph is the best player in this series, but I think if AD can figure it out, if AD can average 25 to 30, LeBron can give you, you know, 22 to 25. I think this series could go seven um, pretty pretty easily. I think it's going to be a really, really fun series. There's going to be games where the Warriors' depth really kills them and the Lakers' depth with Reeves and Vanderbilt. Um, you know, D'Lo can have games. Rui can have games. Malik Beasley can hit threes. Um, Troy Brown can hit threes. Like, I think that's going to be a struggle for the Warriors to to guard all those guys, and they're going to be playing their guys such heavy minutes. Um, but in the end, yeah, like LeBron, 
he he's just looked. You can see how tired he is um, at the yeah. end of these games, and especially when AD doesn't have it going. If AD was playing like he was a month ago, I think I would take the Lakers. But um, he's the X factor for me. Yeah, I agree, and I think I think a big part of why I'm choosing the Warriors as well is Kevon Looney's been playing so well. I know Steve Kerr called them the best center in the NBA, which might be a stretch and obviously biased, but he's been getting like I don't know 17 fucking rebounds a game. Like he's just been dominating uh, the paint um, and, you know, played great defense on Sabonis. Uh, I know AD is obviously a much tougher task, but if he just keeps playing the way he's been playing, I think he can keep AD in check and it's going to be the role players for these, uh, for the Lakers, in my opinion, if D'Lo can have, you know, 25 point game here and there, or Rui can have a big game. I think that's how they're going to win games. I think you're going to get consistency out of LeBron probably, you know, 20 and 10, 22, 23, 24 and 10 every game. Um, and I think AD will keep, stay in check. I don't think he'll go off for any nuclear 30 point plus games, but it's going to be the role players for the Warrior, uh, for the Lakers, sorry, that are going to have to step up if they're going to want to win this series. Yeah, I agree. Um, so we've done the, the grounded in reality topic now with this series. I want to do the first take segment type stuff where we kind of go off the rails. Um, <laughs> is this is this a legacy series for either Steph or LeBron? Absolutely. You know why? Because I think if the Warriors win the series, I think they could get back to the finals, and I think they could win another finals. And if Steph has five fucking rings, that like that I don't even know what to say. Like we have to start best point having, guard. We have to have definitely a, best yeah, point guard. He has to be the best point guard ever, and he has to be possibly a top five player. Ever. Like, unanimous MVP. Um, like, I, I mean, there, there's just so much to say about the guy that I can't even think of anything to say right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think if Steph gets out of this series and he just looks, start, keeps looking great, and I don't know, this is just Steph LeBron. Like, this is just so old school vintage. And if LeBron gets bounced here, this might be his last real shot to win a ring. I don't know if this team is going to stay together next year. So if LeBron is still stuck at four and fucking uh, Steph gets his fifth ring, you got to start like you got a lot of questions to ask if yeah, Steph has five and LeBron is four. People will make that argument for Steph, and it's 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 not a horrible argument. I'm gonna say it. It's just not a horrible argument. Um, it's definitely not like a great one, but it's not a horrible <laughs> one because I think like you have to look at what they've done throughout their careers and how just, I mean, LeBron's longevity and his consistency over fucking 20 years is insane. But the way Steph has just come in and, and changed basketball and, and, you know, brought in a new era of basketball and has won five fucking rings with the same team and just, you know, built everything that they have together. It's way more impressive in my opinion than LeBron going to Miami. Um, obviously 2016 championship might be one of the greatest ever, um, you know, I would say the Dirk one is probably the best single-handed championship ever when they beat LeBron. Um, but I think what Steph's doing with the Warriors is more impressive uh, winning-wise than what LeBron has done in his career. That was a, a short little snippet of Skip Bayless on Undisputed if uh, Steph Curry ends up winning this title. Yeah. But I think both these guys, LeBron especially, if LeBron loses, this this isn't like a detriment to his legacy unless he like plays horrible and he's the reason they lose. Right. But I don't think that's going to be why. And for Steph, I would say the same thing. As long as they both play well, I don't think either their legacies are 
in jeopardy like of, of getting hurt or getting worse um lebron can absolutely improve his legacy too though i mean if, yeah, if he does absolutely. this at age 38 year 20 i don't even know what year it is 20 or 20, 21 <laughs> yeah it's fucking um, ridiculous if he gets by steph curry and the warriors like that's going to be another big uh talking point and would be super impressive so there's a lot on the line here. There absolutely is. Um, what's up? I was going to say, I just think there's a lot on the line if, you know, like if neither of these teams make the finals, I don't know how much we're going to talk about this series later on. No, um, not much. But if if one of these teams makes the finals and, and wins it, we're going to talk about this series and say that this was the Western Conference finals pretty much. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll definitely talk about them for about, you know, two or three weeks for whoever whoever wins yeah. this series as being right. and then better than the other we're, one. We're going to forget about it a month or two later. Um, yeah. But uh, let's talk about the Heat-Knicks. Jimmy Butler got hurt late in game one, uh, but the Heat were still able to take game one in New York. Uh, impressive kind of comeback win. They were down early and then kind of held on to like a six-point lead throughout the fourth quarter, five, six-point lead throughout the fourth quarter. Uh, Jimmy Butler is playing tonight. Um, there were some questions about him playing. The line was at minus eight, moved uh, up to minus six uh, in favor of the Knicks. Um, I don't think the Knicks lose two at home. I really don't, especially without Jimmy being 100%. Do you know if Julius is ruled in? I don't think Julius is going to play tonight. Okay. I mean, that's, I don't that's a think big deal. Play. Um, they really missed him. I know he, he wasn't playing his best maybe the, the last few games of the Cavs series, but he's still a huge part of their team. I like the Knicks tonight regardless, even without Julius. Um, Jimmy, I mean, he's playing out of his mind, absolutely out of his mind, as good as we've ever seen him. But it, you can't win every game. I mean, right? Hopefully. <laughs> unless, right. He's, unless he's Michael Jordan. I don't know, which he looks which like. Which he could be. Which he could be his kid. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, he definitely could be. Um, I like the Knicks. I think, I think it's a bounce back. Um, Brunson didn't have his best game. Uh, he played pretty well last game. Um, I don't know. I, I just don't think it's sustainable for Jimmy to, to do this every yeah, single it's night. absurd what he's doing. Um, but he only had 25 the other night, I believe, or other day. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I guess he's bound for a bounce-back game, I guess. <laughs> just 25 is, is not a lot in playoff Jimmy standards, but, but he is hurt, so I do think that's going to impact how he plays. Um, Jalen Brunson looked exhausted in game one. Uh, there was a clip, I think, there was like six minutes and 30 seconds left in the fourth, and there was a timeout, and the camera panned to uh, a clip of Julius Randle like pulling Jalen Brunson up off the bench because he was just so tired he didn't want to fucking move. Um, and he only went back in with five minutes and 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter, which, you know, I, usually the Stars come back in to close out games with like eight minutes left, typically, eight, seven, eight minutes left. Uh, and he came in with five minutes and 30 seconds left, which speaks to just kind of how dog tired he was. And I don't really blame him. You know, without Randall, he's the number one guy. I actually I still think he's the best player on that team. Um, but without Randall and no one else to really kind of create their own shot and carry the load, he's doing everything on the offensive end by himself. Uh, he did play 40 minutes. Um, I know Josh Hart played 43, but he still like he played 40 minutes and he just looked fucking beat. Cause I think of what he had to do offensively. He had to do pretty much everything without Randall. So I think Randall coming back is going to be a huge part of this series. But um, I think Brunson is 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 kind of 
he might be getting a little tired. He might be he might be wearing down a little bit, uh, and I think that's going to be a problem going forward. Even with yeah. Randall coming back, I still think he's going to be like maybe a touch slower. Yeah, I don't know if that's too concerning. I mean, it's just when Randall's out, he has to do everything, like you said. But last game, Nick shot twenty percent, I think, from three. Brunson was over seven. Hart over four. R.J. Barrett, who actually has been playing really well, was over five. Obi was four for eleven, which is absurd that he took eleven shots. Uh, yeah. or 11 threes. Uh, quickly hasn't been playing that well. I think they they might get a game from, from Quickly tonight at home. He needs to give him a spark like we know he can. But I expect them to shoot better and score more than 101 points like they did last game. I think I think Knicks take care of this and go back to Miami 1-1. I would have picked... I, I did pick the Knicks before the series. Um, I don't know if I can stick with it now. Where are you at? Uh, I... Oh man, I really want the Knicks to lose for so many reasons. But I think after game one, I'm going to go Miami. I think Miami is going to be able to protect home court. Uh, I think they're playing some great basketball. I think their role players are playing really fucking well. Um, and let's have this discussion. Um, obviously, Miami made it to the to the finals in the bubble. They come into this season or this playoffs as the eight seed after losing the playing game. Uh, beating the Bucks was such an impressive win. Are the Miami Heat really fucking good? Are they really good? I don't think so. I think Jimmy Butler's really good. Uh, mm. I don't... The role players, they get better when Jimmy plays like this, but it's all dependent on Jimmy going off, in my opinion. Um, I, I'm going to stick with the Knicks, actually. I think the Knicks have way more depth and when Julius comes back, they're going to have more offense. I don't think Jimmy can do this on his own, especially without the offense of Tyler Hero. So I'm going to stick with the Knicks. Um, we only got a minute left in this Zoom. You got anything else you want to throw out to the fans? Do the Knicks get absolutely fucking clapped by either of these teams, by either the Celtics or the, or the Sixers next round? I mean, the way the Celtics look, I don't think so. I think I think no, the Knicks take, take either of those, of those teams. Um in a deep series, at least six or seven. But we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back for more NBA playoffs talk soon. Yeah. So Shorty thank you and peace. Coming to say you look, you're fine. We got to cutting it up. Nobody kidding, fuck on my line. I'm going to keep it up with y'all. But Shorty, I'm trying to make you mine. Don't make it too easy, I want to try. She looking too good, can't let it go by. Oh, yeah. Think I won the lotto. This slow mulatto. She could be a model. She want to show me some. Think I won the lotto. Yeah. This slow mulatto. She could be a model.